Block No Rock, episode 27. We had the opportunity to interview former Nebraska linebacker, team captain in 2017, same year that he led the team in tackles. And I think the the number 27 is fitting for this episode, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Uh, he did win the Sam Fultz Scholarship and played alongside of Sam Fultz in he goes into some detail about Sam Fultz, so it's uh, definitely a must-listen okay. for you guys, and uh, let's, let's just cut to it. Let's do it. All right. We are joined here today with former walk-on, former team captain, former linebacker at Nebraska, Chris Weber. Chris, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's great. It's great. All right, well, let's just get this thing rolling, all right? So you're an Omaha kid. We're recording in Omaha. <laughs> you walked on at Nebraska. Can you describe... Why you walked on Nebraska? Did you have other opportunities, or and essentially, did it mean more when you actually got a scholarship and and became a team captain? Yeah, I mean, I grew up like loving Nebraska football, lived and breathed Nebraska football. Um, so my senior year, when I started to kind of hear from teams, you know, I, I heard from the Dakota schools, got some scholarships up there, Northwest Missouri State. Um, but I ended up getting some academic money to, uh, to go to Nebraska. I was kind of prideful in the sense of like, I wanted, I felt like I'd worked hard enough to, you know, go to your dreams. Yeah. To deserve something. You know, I wanted some, I just wanted somebody to to say, Hey, we're going to give you some money to go to, you know, to go to school. Uh, and and I was able to get a a region scholarship to Nebraska. And then like from that point on, I I think no matter what I would have ended up there, like I, I was just, it felt better for me inside to be like, yeah. I, I have some uh, some scholarship money to go there, and then ended up earning a uh, an athletic scholarship my sophomore year. But it definitely, I mean, meant more I think to me than than. I mean, I just grew up understanding it. I I, I watched games on Saturday. Everything everything pointed towards Saturday in the fall. Uh, so like, it, I mean, it meant more when I was down there. Yeah, and we were talking right before we we were recording that you know you you played at Elkhorn yeah. and we were talking about how Mike and I we went to Millard South yeah man and then we started talking about that year that you know it was looking like Elkhorn was going to win you yeah. guys were getting ready to storm the field and yeah. then what happened i mean you you talk about you talk to anybody any football coach up there at Elkhorn coach Warman who just retired you want to, hold on you want to talk about something that makes me feel old is my high school quarterback the guy that led us to state championship my junior year he is now the head football coach at Alcorn. What? Wow! Yeah. Wow! Dude, and he's and he's gonna do he's gonna do great. Like, like I mean, he's the the perfect guy to take on that role. But uh, he he got uh, Coach Warmer retired this last summer, and so he's taking over. But to go back, yeah, we were playing Miller South. I'm a freshman, and you know I'm in the student section. I'm probably flirting with my now wife at the time. You know, she's a freshman <laughs> at the time, and we we go down to uh, the the fence. And getting ready to storm the field. I think it was a tie. It was a tie game. You guys were up by like three. Yeah, we're kicking a field goal. Yeah, I think it's tied. It was tied. It was tied. It was like a twenty-five yard field goal. Yeah, so we it was all, a chip shot to win the game. We were all feeling great, and then the dude timed the snap camp snap count, hopped the center, blocked it, and I and I think the same guy housed it, picked it up, yeah, to to win the game. Like as time expired. So. Yeah, that was. I was in the stands at that game, and that is. Pro, college, high school, that was the best game I've ever witnessed in person. Yeah, I know. Like, 
unbelievable finish. It, it, unbelievable finish, unbelievable talent. I mean, Trevor Roach, Spence, Jake Long. I know Miller South had like Bronson Marsh. Yep, Quentin Urban's Quentin the guy Urban. that blocked it, and yeah. he was good. But just some dudes. I, yeah. I don't think you can hop the center anymore. I think they. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I think that. No. I think that was because I remember being in high school. Be like, if any field goal came up, I remember thinking like, all right, I'm just gonna try. So, <laughs> jump over. I yeah. mean, if it, I mean, why would you try if yeah. you, I saw Quentin Urban do it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the hops. But. You got the hops for that? Or no. no? <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's shift to your your playing career. You were nominated team captain your senior year. Can you talk to the listeners about how that's done and what it meant to you to be a team captain at at your alma mater your favorite university growing up yeah um i mean from my understanding like if i remember correctly we were just all in the team meeting room and we just pass around coaches hand out ballots of you know write down write down the four guys that you want to be you know it can be any year i think coach Pleen did the same way as far as just a team vote i don't know i think coach Pleen might have done it to where he elected one himself but then the rest were you know team elected but uh that's how it kind of all worked out and then you know, for me, it, it obviously meant the world to me to to uh, be team captain. I, they they have a uh, uh, pictures uh, outside the locker room of every captain that's been uh, there over time. And I remember just you know your walk on freshman walking by those, and you're like, man, these are some big big you know guys you remember growing up. Right. Yeah. And then to, to to think that one day that my senior year that I would be a, you know a, a team captain meant meant a lot to me. It was a role that I took you know very seriously. So. Yeah. Well, and now you're enshrined forever. Yeah, no, 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 I can't. I got to go back and look at my picture up there now. And make sure yeah. They, make sure they got it up. <laughs> <laughs> they probably put it down. <laughs> well, you're gonna have like that kid, you know, that's you know seven, eight years old, walking by, seeing all the team captains, and you know, there's one that wants to be like Chris Weber. Yeah, so, maybe. Yeah, that's a, maybe. that's a story for somebody, right? Bro, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So my, I guess I was kind of like looking at you prior to the interview, obviously the podcast. Sure. And, um, amongst like a ton of accolades and awards, uh, you were first team academic All-American, Brooke Berenger and Tom Osborne citizenship teams, um, and then you received the Sam Fultz uh, scholarship, yeah, right? the Memorial Scholarship. Um, talk a little bit about kind of like what that meant to you, because obviously that was a rough time for yeah. everybody uh, in sure. the state. Uh, I mean, if if you if you met Sam and if if you you knew who he was who he was like you just never forget those those interactions as far as how he just had a knack for making everybody feel like the most important person whether you provided anything to the team if you're an equipment manager um, you name it and he he really lived his life um, just everybody you know you go to funerals sometimes and I think there's people that are you know they embellish and like you know they're like this guy might have not really been like that he was an incredible. Uh, human being uh, and person uh, teammate to be around so when I got that uh, award and 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 got the chance to kind of meet his, his parents and family and stuff it it meant the world to me that that however that was chosen that they they had elected me to be that yeah yeah that I I, I mean through you know that whole time after he passed and you know they did the uh, the the ghost punter right like yeah they, they didn't have anybody back there for him and everything and I mean that was just surreal just yeah. watching it on the TV and then I can't imagine you know standing there at center field with with yeah. his parents and, and and receiving that so it was I cool. That was cool you know talk about a guy too that was just as for a punter to be as <laughs> cool and as athletic yeah. and like I mean he forced fumbles yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, for a punter to be so well known. Yeah. It, it, 
you know, I mean, it is Nebraska. Yeah. Everybody's well informed here in Nebraska, but for a punter to be that like famous, right? Yeah. It's just crazy. He probably well, he, he would have played on Sundays. I mean, he really would have. Yeah, he mm-hmm. probably would still be in the league now. I mean, he, he was a special kid. He just kept getting better every game. I mean, he just it seemed like he just knew what he was doing and he knew how to get better and take the next step. Yeah, It'd sound like on the field and off the field. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so you played for. Well, Bo a little bit, but mainly your career was with Mike Riley. Um, Can you talk about what it was like playing for Mike Riley? Yeah. Um, I mean, from the start, you quickly quickly realize people that are like fake, you know, coaches that are just fake in terms of the person that they are, they being genuine. And from the start, he is one of the most genuine, kind, you know, nice human beings you've ever been around in your life. And so that always... You immediately respect somebody that treats you that way as, as players. Um, as far as, especially as a walk-on, I think that's where it's, I think, most evident. You know, it's sports and, and football are so much of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of, right. type of like, what are you providing, uh, you know, what are you providing for me? Um, and, and Coach Riley was the, the exact opposite in the sense of uh, he made everybody feel valued, everybody feel important, whether you were a, scout team player, whether you're a walk-on that was never going to play, whether you were the star player on the team, the star captain, um, you name it. He was he was much more of a, you know, seeing from, seeing Bo, Bo versus his style, he was much more of a CEO style where he was kind of laid back, especially defensively. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't, you know, going to be involved in, in, from my standpoint, what I saw is, you know, he wasn't making defensive game plans or things like that, whereas Coach Bo was... Calling plays on Saturday, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> telling Coach Coach Papuchas what to call. I, I'm imagining heavily involved in the game plan um, and, and more hands on in that role. Whereas I, I think Coach Riley was more of a, you know, he's going to let his coaches really, yeah, you know, go out. So yeah, and then you played for Mark Banker and then uh, Bob Diaco at the end. Can you talk about the differences between Banker and Diaco? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think first off, it's I mean, you can talk about personality traits and all that, but the the schemes are night and day different. Right. I mean, Coach Banker's schemes are going to be a four. It's going to be a four three defense with his whole mission was to we call it a spill defense. So if you were a linebacker and anything was coming, any pullers, anybody got outside, you're going to hit them inside and you're going to try and blow it up to make everything bounce. Which in in theory, you know, sounds like a great defense to the Big Ten, especially playing Wisconsin to somebody's running downhill at you to spill everything out. Um, I think we struggled at times defending the pass. I think the stats would show that. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. we struggled. We struggled mightily. That I think we were getting better towards the end of his um, his his time there in Nebraska. But a stand up guy. I mean, one of those guys that I'd see now, and and you could. You go have a beer with and talk for hours. Just a player's coach related very well with with us as um, as players. One of those guys you would do, you know you do anything for. And then Coach Diaco, I just had a you know, real brief. Um, all of Nebraska had a real brief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a quick relationship. With Coach Diaco, <laughs> um, and and I like I'm not I probably will I'm not going to go and say really bad things about Coach Diaco. I think he's a very misunderstood man. I think he uh, his schemes. Um, you won't find a guy that's going to put more time and effort and energy into what he's doing on defense, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. However, it turns out um, schematically. I mean, you look at you know, there's proof in what he did at Notre Dame. He went to the you know he led a defense to the national championship. I think the the timeline really set us back as far as 
there's a make or break year. He's going to come in the spring. It was nice to have a spring, but um, he was very heavily involved is what I, I guess what I would, the only bad thing I would say in the sense of the strength and conditioning program changed when he came in. He kind of had his hands in everything, which is kind of unique, I think, for a defensive coordinator as far as, like, he was telling strength coaches kind of what he wanted done, our practice, how we practice changed. Right. Um, so there was a really big change-up in that sense as far as from what we had had with Coach Rodgers, what we had with Coach Diaco. But from a scheme point and, and even how he treated me, I have nothing but respect as far as from what he was trying to accomplish and, and the coach he was. Yeah. I think, uh, was it was it Josh that was telling us, like, the dude showed up? Um, to campus with like an alphabetized binder Dude. with all of his like schemes and everything in it. Yeah, like, you want to talk about an organized man? <laughs> that dude had binders upon binders, scouting report. I mean, there was stuff that like like just the time, energy, and effort he put into something that like. I mean, to be honest with you, when we'd have when we'd have scouting reports before, they were never as detailed or as in depth as like this guy was telling us what the weather was going to be on Saturday night. <laughs> oh, when we're playing Oregon, what the, you know, where our locker room was going to be, you know, where, like where the bench is, like he's showing pictures, you know, you get all this in your packet. And it was just like, there was, he was very detailed, very, you know, OCD from that sense. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and, and banker could sounds like the complete opposite, but he was in a four, three, he was, he was a heavy blitzer, yes. you know, and, and yeah. Diaco, I mean, I think he was a little bit, I guess, more conservative on yeah. the defensive side. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, Diaco's whole thing was going to be bend, not break. I mean, which right. yeah. which in theory sounds good until you break. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, over and over. Over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, Banker was going to be a more, I'm going to I'm gonna come after. I, mean, I was telling you guys the, the Oregon story where we were, it was fourth down that year we played them at home and, and won when it was we just couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop us, but it was on fourth down. And they called timeout right before the fourth down. And I, I was, like, in the huddle, and I'm looking at Riley. I'm looking at Baker. And Baker's like, I'm coming after this guy. And literally, we sent everybody. Yeah. And I think that, like, that's Banker in a nutshell. Is like, that's, you know, there's some guys that when it's going to come down to the play that's going to decide the game. We're going to sit back and play coverage. Or there's a guy that's going to be like, I can live. I can live with, with bringing everybody and then throwing a shot over the top. Right. So. Right. It's more interesting that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think I live on that side too. It's like at least you know, at least I tried. Man. Right, at least yeah. we're going after. Favorite play on Madden? Engage eight. <laughs> right, yeah. Everybody's coming. Safety's dropping deep. Send them all. <laughs> Engage eight. I wish, I wish defenses, I wish the college defenses were that easy. When I would always see Madden, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we just do engage eight. That's it. <laughs> yeah. No. You bring your Madden playbook in, and yeah. Diaco smacks you yeah. upside the head. <laughs> I got a binder for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's no engage eight in the in the binder. You called something else. So there was some rumors at the time when uh, Riley, the transition from Riley to uh, to Scott Frost and. A lot of it had to do with culture. Can yeah. you talk about locker room culture just in general? Uh, what do you think is a good culture, and do you think you had good culture when you were playing at Nebraska? You know, I think it's – gosh, I, I even wrestle around with it. I think there was – I'm, I'm even going to dance around the question, it seems like. But I think we had, in my opinion, we had some guys doing the right thing and establishing the right culture. We didn't have near enough of the right guys. I think that's as simple as that. Uh, so no, at the end of the day, there wasn't the, the culture wasn't where it needed to be, and it was it was probably one of the most difficult things that I've dealt with. It was just signing my name to that as a team captain my senior year and watching the 
the the scores be as it is and lay you know seeing guys lay over at times. Right. Um, we we didn't have near enough guys that were bought in, doing the right things, doing weights the right way, eating the right way, watching film the right way, practicing the right way, and I it, it really snowballed. I think when it came down to it, what is it after the Northwestern game? I don't know if you guys remember. I I I still have nightmares. Um, after the Northwestern game, we lost in overtime. Then we go out to Minnesota and just got absolutely worked. I was right. It was it was just like. Uh, you could see the writing on the wall for some guys where it was, well, these coaches aren't going to be here. And I'm looking around like, this might be the last football that I play. Right. And so there was just a, there's a disconnect as far as like, there was, there's some comfort and security knowing I'm, well, I'm going to come back and play for somebody else. Like I'm this, these three games don't matter. Whereas I'm like, this is all, this is it. This is all I got. I want to go to a bowl game. I want to keep playing. I want to play as long, you know, as long as I can. Right. And, I think that, in a nutshell, summed it up. Those guys just started jumping off ship. Right. Yeah. Do you think it was like just a lack of effort in general, like a lack a lack of buy-in, and then okay. taking the easy way out? Right. I think when it became available to them, knowing that um, at the end, I'm not going to say I, I won't say from the start. I think there was guys that had the right idea. You know, you get the right energy and the right um, the ball starts rolling. I think that's even something this team. Uh, the, you know, the current Husker teams have struggled with is just having enough good things happen right. that it's just easy for everybody to pull in the right direction. But all of a sudden you start losing, you, you, things happen along the way, you lose to Northern Illinois, you lose to you know Oregon on the road, and all of a sudden you just see detractors. And it's just that you can't you can't have the right culture that you need to have for a football team if, if not everybody's going to be pulling in the right direction or people are chasing their own individual things. Because that's what starts happening is you guys just, like you start losing guys to diff- for various different reasons. Oh, I'm, my knee hurts. I'm gonna wait till next year because these three games don't matter. Oh, I'm right. You know, it's just there just becomes different focuses, and um, I really think truly that's what happened. Was guys just said, well, these three games aren't really gonna matter at the end of the year. And the next thing you know, <laughs> you're signing your name to a 63 to 14 loss to Iowa or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, that was. That was a little when, rough. When you're tied for in perfect example, fourteen. We were tied fourteen, fourteen at halftime. People forget that. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, the wheels just fell off. And playing with energy, playing with effort, and then they came out and uh, uh, returned the kickoff, twenty five yards. You know, down to the. And it's just like you just could just see guys' face or like just deflate. Yeah, you know, and it's just like that's a per- that summed up the season in a nutshell. It's like, well, what are you gonna do when when adversity strikes? What are you gonna and we just. Football is the ultimate team game. If you don't have enough guys that are, you know, standing up to that, you're not, you know, you're not gonna be successful. Right, well, right. You get punched, you got to punch back. Exactly. Like, sometimes there wasn't oh, even fists up. At, at, <laughs> yeah, at, I know. At the time, I know. Um, so you mentioned this year's team, and and you're kind of talking winning is contagious. You know, momentum is is a huge thing in football, and it sounded like you know when you were playing, momentum just never really picked up. I feel like that's kind of how it is with Scott Frost. Yeah. Uh, 12 and 20, you know, it it seems like just when things go wrong, they just go wrong for Scott Frost. Yeah. yeah. And even, I mean, like canceled games, COVID season, I mean, people dealt with a lot of stuff. I feel like Scott just like, if bad things are going to happen, they happen to Scott. But can you talk about just like your current evaluation of of the program? Do you think Scott's the guy? And how can Nebraska have a successful season in 2021? Yeah. I mean, I I'll, I'll I I tell people this when people you know people come up to me at, at school and stuff. They're like, well, you know, what do you think? And I, my caveat is always, well, I'm not I'm not on the inside, but like, so what I do evaluate is what I see on the outside. 
and the biggest the biggest thing that I've noticed is the same thing that we struggled with a lot my at my time in the last couple of years of my time in Nebraska is the lack of complimentary football. Mm-hmm. And people are like, what's complimentary football? Like, it's, I think of it as like, basketball is the easiest way to think about it. If you're coming down and you all of a sudden get hot and you got guys stroking threes and stuff, well, it's great, but it doesn't matter if you don't get stops on the other end. Like, if the team's coming back and just answering your point, like, there's going to be no difference in the score. Right. We had so many times my senior year where, you know, the defense would play well for a stretch, then the offense would suck and go three out, and then, you know, it'd flip. Yeah. And it's been the same thing, I think, that Nebraska has really struggled with even since. It's like they can never seem to... Whenever, we've never been able to put it together for, for large stretches of seasons. I mean, yeah. you're going to have games where the offense just outscores somebody, the defense plays the lights out. But as far as building off each other, it, it hasn't happened, whereas the offense is going to come down. He's a score. You know, might lead the game off with this great drive. Well, the defense you come out and get a three and out, and all of a sudden you're really you're really moving somewhere. You got the momentum. You snatch you snatch the opportunity, and we've struggled to play complimentary football. I, it hasn't. I still think Scott's the right answer. I think he's dealt with. I think he's dealt with some stuff as far as co- I think the COVID year is hard to evaluate. I think you could also say, you know, Nick Saban didn't have trouble performing in COVID year like the the teams that the coaches that have been really good still perform but I still think Scott was trying to build something and it's maybe a (laughs) it's I think you could go either way on that as far as it's it's just hard to evaluate you know you know I would like to think you'd rise to the top when you know the great coaches are going to rise to the top no matter the circumstances but I think it might be difficult with what you're building at the time to think and then at the end of the day your your uh your evaluation is going to come down to the quarterback play and I think that's I think Adrian would probably tell you it's been lacking, and I think um, you know from my standpoint, I would I would probably agree if you if if you don't take care of the football, and you know you're going to turn the ball you turn the ball over times no matter how talented you are, and he's in, I really do think he's incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. But you look across all of college football year in year out, the great teams always have great quarterback play. Right. I mean, it's just there's some outliers, but for the most part. You just, you, you just look at teams in the playoff. It's like they have a dude at quarterback that is their Who, leader. Yeah. Yeah. Who's projected to go in the first round. Yeah, that like, played played lights out, and when yeah. they needed him to play well, he made big plays. And I think yeah. Adrian's capable of that. I think he's just got to limit turnovers. Uh, but it's I think I think we'll go where he goes this year. I, tr- I, I think he's I mean, he's that much of a difference maker as far as where this season ends up. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, and – you said it right. Like it, it, the season rides on Adrian's shoulders, which the Rutgers game comes to me as like the perfect example of Adrian Martinez. Yeah, the the kid is just uber talented and can make a play like like nobody else in the country. But then the turnovers, right. it, the, the turnovers have just bitten Nebraska. Whether it was Adrian or Taylor or Tommy or whatever, yeah, there it just seems like there's something in the walls of Memorial <laughs> Stadium. That, that just causes us to lose the ball. Yeah. And I don't know what it is and the stupid like mental penalties. I don't I don't Dude. know how to get over that. I yeah, I still have nightmares of times of sitting on the sideline and, you know, talking about the next series and you go, field goal block you know, because it's a pick six and you're running out there to, to go field goal block. Right, right. You know, like it's so just like there's you're you're never gonna be a great football team unless you you're limiting turnovers and Right. The field, you can't have many uh, field goal block moments where you're standing there on defense and looking around like, field goal block, we're on off. Right. Well, and I mean, I can only imagine, you know, <clears throat> what 
what a defensive player is thinking after a long haul out there on the field, right? And then your offense gets out there and they get off, or you know, they, they get like a holding call, and then they get you know like a delay of game, I, yeah. and then it's like okay, well this drive's over, we're gonna have to go right back out there. Yeah, and I think that it goes back to the complimentary football thing, and I think that the the teams that are great are like okay. Our offense is sputtering. It's on us. You know, we got to step up. But like, if you, the great team sees those moments of like, okay, our offense is humming. If we can get, if we can put together two stops, this game's over. Right. You know, and I think it's truly it, it, it can be that simple at times. Or like the defense gets a pick six. Like, and if you come out and get a stop after a pick six, like you start thinking along those terms of just like just stacking stuff and yeah. snatching momentum. That like you're gonna be a great team. You're gonna win more games than you lose. And. uh We've struck. We just struggled. I, I think that, and more than anything, is just capturing momentum has been terrible. Yeah. So, and I, something I've always been curious about <clears throat> is thinking about you know Scott Frost like fast pace, like high tempo offenses and stuff, and trying to think about like the defense trying to trying to catch a break yeah. on the sidelines and stuff. So, say you know you guys they go out there and, and they go down the field in four plays and it's over in less than a minute whatever the case might be yeah does that give you like does that give a defensive player like some sort of like jolt like hell yeah we're going out there or is it kind of like damn bro like we need a break you know i did i think it depends on on who you're playing if they're going up tempo as well or is if you're uh if you're like playing a snap and then they're huddling you get a chance to chill uh and, and recatch your breath but it I think it gives you a drill just when you score and like the especially at home fans are going crazy. Right. Whereas if you get a stop and then they're going up tempo and then they you know they throw two bubbles and it's you know third and nine and then they get a sack and then you're back out there and they're at the plus forty five right and you're just are you're immediately in kind of a difficult position you know you're in almost scoring territory to begin with that like tempo can go you know go both ways and I think I think he started Scott's kind of had to even evaluate like especially last year with where they were at offensively is like yeah. okay what are we going to run on offense to to maximize you know to give our defense a chance to be successful but then also who are we as an offense like because when I was watching you know Central Florida they're this up-tempo team we're going to fly around we're going to get up and snap the ball quick big plays we're going to run down there and you know just stuff that like just makes teams on their toes yeah. a bunch, uh, and I think as Big Ten teams are obviously more talented, deeper. He's really, and then when you don't have a great uh, offense, I think you have to evaluate. Well, what are we gonna, you know, what's our tempo gonna be? Right. Well, and you played Oregon twice in your career. I mean, can you describe what it was like oh. playing against that type of offense? Because that is essentially what we run here in Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it was not fun, especially for a guy like me who. I, you know, I, I I know what I am. Like, I would much rather play Wisconsin, Illinois than right. I would be running around with the track athletes in, <laughs> yeah, right. in Oregon. Um, but, you know, I think back to my senior year um, when we were playing them. Like, if you get a team on their heels with tempo, it just can be, it, it can be a nightmare for the defense as far as, your, you know, misdirection stuff. You're running sideline to sideline. You're subbing guys in and out. Like... And it really was up for us that whole first half. I don't know if you guys remember that game. We let we dropped we gave up forty two before you can blink, and it was halftime. Right. <laughs> and then we some, we held them scoreless in the second half. Like it was just two completely ends of football. But um, yeah, if you if you can get teams on their heels and doubting kind of what they're doing and not because it starts to mess with guys' eyes as far as you get tired, you get fatigued, mm-hmm. you're not seeing the right things, and it just compounds. Right. Yeah. So, 
sticking with this year, current events, uh, it is Kool-Aid season. I'm, I mean, you as a Nebraska fan growing up, you know what Kool-Aid <laughs> yeah, season is. Yeah, I know is. exactly can you, what it is. Can you tell us what it was like being a player during Kool-Aid season? Did you guys buy all the hype too? like, Or did you guys kind of go in thinking like, you know, I think we could win seven games this year. Or I mean, like, yeah. what like what do you think as a player during the craziest time of the year? Yeah, they're like, like damn, brother. Like, I don't know. They're kind of hyping us up. Well, the thing is, right now, dude, I promise you, they're just thinking, man, when can I take a nap? When can I? When can I sit in the ice tub for ten minutes? My my knees hurt. My my back hurt. <laughs> I'm sure they're not. I'm sure they wish they could be drinking Kool Aid. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm fall camp, man. They're they're probably. But uh. It's so hard. It's so hard to evaluate as far as even you can look around, and I think I think the best judge is experience. I think when you're looking at guys as far as like, have you done it on Saturdays? That's that's really to me is the marker of like, okay, we know what we're getting from this guy because I've seen. I, I know what I'm getting from Cam Taylor because I've I've been watching the last couple of years, and the dude can ball, right. you know. Yeah. But then you start looking, and just there's more. When you start getting into question marks as far as guys, I, like, I have no idea who's going to play running back. I like right. my guess is as good as mine. Well, there's like, 18 yeah. of them. So yeah, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but like even my senior year, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking we're going to be real good because I'm going against the offense and defense. I'm like, these guys, you know, you're going against the same guys every day mm-hmm. and you think that the guys you're playing are real good, but you're just playing each other. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, it's just hard to evaluate what that is. Like I can, you know. I knew J.D. Spielman was fast and shifty, but, like, you know, what is he going to do on, you know, Saturdays? And, and he was obviously a great player, but that's just, like, an example of, yeah. of it's just it's really hard to necessarily go through fall camp and then be a defense be like, our offense is really good. Our offense sucks as we've been picking them off all day. And it's right. Just, it's just so it's so up and down during the course of camp as far as you just there's, – there's days where the defense is going to win, there's days where the offense is going to win. Yeah, well, and it's funny because we talked about this last week. You're, they're showing these hype videos, and they're like, sh- they're always showing Omar at the end, and then they're showing like Cam Taylor Britt getting an interception. I'm like, well, who was that against? Yeah. Was that yeah. against Adrian? Because yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's a win lose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's that's the tough part with these highlight videos and stuff, and guys getting mossed and stuff. It's like, okay, so that that is still your team, though. Dude, see, I'm smart enough to not even. I don't even watch after being there and seeing it and. Like it's just it's just impossible to evaluate unless you're literally there watching practice and then knowing what the guy's assignment is to do on that play. Right. That's the same thing I I would uh, even Twitter nowadays I look and it's you have it's difficult to evaluate with guys without knowing what they're well what were they supposed to do on that play was that guy drop right. was that guy dropping a cover three drop was he dropping a cover four like you know what what was his role was yeah. where was his run fit at was the guy next to him just screw up and like make the play or like you know yeah. it's just it's really hard to, to evaluate from that sense. Yeah. Yeah, because even, like, the Big Ten guys are like, oh, yeah, you know, these guys look like they're look like they're way more talented this year. They look like they're doing great. And it's like, well, you said that the first year, too. Yeah. You Whoa. said the same thing. Yeah, if you, and if you woke up from, you know, a coma, you would expect them to be like, oh, I'm excited about Scott Fred. Like, they're not going to come out and evaluate one practice and then say, Man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Did you see those guys at Nebraska? Yeah, like, like they're gonna go and they're gonna say the same thing at Illinois and Purdue. They're like, you know, I, you know, there's some question marks at certain positions, but yeah. from the strength standpoint, man, those guys look good. They look like they've been working out all summer. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, but right now we have this new 
new time in college sports, this name, image, and likeness. Oh, man. Uh, what do you think about it? Do you want to make a little scratch when you're working? Or when you I mean, I always want to make a little scratch. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I, it's funny because I, I, I don't even... It's so hard to have thoughts on it coming from a, from a walk-on. Like, because people have to understand I went from not... You know, I had some academic... I had my tuition paid for, but I wasn't getting a stipend. And then you, you get... You go from that to then getting a thirteen hundred dollars stipend, and I even just getting that, I thought I was so strapped with cash. I mean, Yo, you're like, like I don't know, dude, spend all you this. are rich, yeah. dude. I mean, I remember my first spring ball that I was on some uh, <laughs> on scholarship. I remember going out after the spring game with like my now wife, her brother. There was like eight of us, and I remember just slipe. It was like a hundred fifty dollar Mexican dinner. I remember <laughs> putting my car down, thinking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the university's paying for this. You yeah. scholarship. Like, you, I just thought I was so strapped with cash. Because, yeah. you know, you go from having nothing. You show up every day just because you, like, you know, like, you're not on scholarship. You just yeah. want to be a part of the team. And then you get, so, for, I always view it with that lens of, like, I, I understand what it's like to not have, a, you know, to, to not have that and then to get the scholarship. Yeah. But I think it's difficult to, I, you want guys to be able to, I want guys to be able to, do their own business things that they want to do. I want them to have the same opportunities that, that other kids on campus have. Like, I don't think there's necessarily a reason that Asian Martinez shouldn't be able to start a t-shirt business if that's what he wants or fashion, whatever he wants right. to do. Now that Adrian would start a fashion line, but like, <laughs> if he does, you, you heard it here first, Adrian. But, <laughs> but my point is, like, is like, he should have the ability to do that. Yeah. I just don't want it to ruin or to, to ruin not that it would ruin, but I don't want it to, to dampen what college football is. Right. I think what it's going to do now is just make the dirty stuff legal. And I think Nebraska is at a huge benefit for NIL. I think I think this could bring in some bigger recruits because they can make good money here. Yeah. And we do have just crazy-ass fans that make stupid podcasts like this. <laughs> right. stuff like, like, we do. Like, like, people care here. And that's different than, you know, like at USC, like they have – there's, they're not the only show in town. No. Sure. So I agree I, with that. I think I think players, and and I like the walk on perspective that you gave too, because it's like I think players that are getting recruited here for to be a scholarship player, they're gonna like weigh their options. But like from a walk on perspective, I love that it's like I think those walk ons are gonna it's gonna mean more to them too. Yeah. Because now it's like they can go like these guys, these kids are here to to make a buck. Yeah. And like. That shows how much more passion you have as a walk-on, and how much you actually want it more because you are living, you know, living the low life, you know, like yeah. and, and rags to riches in your situation, you know. <laughs> well, I always, well, I'll, I'll, I should do a caveat off of that because I, you know, I always now get a chuckle of like the fourth-string offensive offensive lineman from. Coe's ad yeah. tweeting about me to go get my Runza. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, I'm so happy for you, man, that Runza's paying you to do that. But I'm like, like... It's probably like 50 bucks, you know? Like, whatever. Like, whatever. You know, good for you, man. Good for you that Runza's paying you that. The, I, the other funny line I had somebody say to me was, and I, again, this is not... There's no verification on this. Somebody was like, the, you know, the last time we were paying players, we started winning championships. You're right. <laughs> Whoa. Like, okay. Hey, don't say that too loud. Right? Right <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's go back to real talk here. Um, so you played the linebacker position. You're an X's and O's guy. Uh, what do the linebackers at Nebraska need to do to find success? Because I think, I mean, we lost Will Honus to an ACL injury. Yeah. 
but I think we still have some good guys in there with Chris Kalarvik as a transfer, uh, Nick Heinrich, and Luke Reimers as well. So uh, what did what did they need to do in order to find success? Uh, you know, I think they they need to understand the scheme. Uh, you know, I, I think Coach uh, Coach Rude will obviously get that done for them, and and knowing where to put your eyes on every play, knowing what their where their problem. I mean, every defense that are that is called, there's a there's a problem area or something that's going to burn you and, and kind of knowing where that is and being ready for it as far as where you're weak at uh, is important. And then making making the the just the instinctual plays, and I think that's that, that'll that come. I think that'll miss, they'll miss most with, with Honus as far as just there's just certain there's certain times where, where you just instincts take over and you need guys that are gamers that are going to, you know, I know on, you know, third and – third and three you know they, they run this on this down I'm ready for it and as far as like just more guys that are just clued into the feel of the game seeing recognizing formations uh seeing tendencies things like that I mean that's the stuff that I love I I out of all the football that I I watch and, and see I, I'm gonna cheer for the guy every time that that is so locked in the guy for Clemson a few years ago that yeah. was the national championship that was point you know pointing. Yeah. He was literally telling them what play they're getting ready to run. Yeah, they're like, going this way, they're going this way. I love that. Like guys that are so locked in to what the other team's doing, knowing the scouting report that that then puts themselves in positions to go make make the plays and then when you're there you obviously gotta make the plays. But I think losing Honus will hurt. I think those other guys will have obviously ample opportunity to step up and, right. and make plays. Right. Um, as as a former player, what are you looking for uh, in year four with Scott Frost? Like what? Is, like what is success? And I know, I know this is, this probably drives you nuts. I'm sure people ask no, I, stuff. But I'm like, I don't think anybody's really looking for like a certain like win amount. Sure. I like as a fan just want to know like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. You know. And I think I mean I think more than anything that's my answer. I think um, playing playing the big games. At least being in the, the the big games, for me is is important. I, I tell people uh, I played in this charity golf tournament a few years ago at Shadow Ridge. I played in like back to back years, and every year they 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 uh, roll out this uh, car behind the the green, and it's a par three. And if you make a hole in one, you get the car. So you're like staring at the car. And every year I swing away, and for one second, all my only goal is just to look up at the ball and think that I have a chance. That it's yeah. gonna, like I'm gonna get that car just yeah. for one second. And every year it's like right or left, you know. I know immediately. Right. But like that's that's what I want. Like I I want to see in these big games for us to be in it in the third quarter and just have a like that ball's in the air and I'm right. looking at that car like am I about to walk away with this car? Yeah. I, I, I just want to be in games. I want to be playing hard. I want to 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 have things to care about uh, late in the year as far as screaming at games uh, like yeah. fans that are in it. You know, as far as Last few years, I mean, Grant, last year was an anomaly, but but uh, having games that are important, playing well in big games, all yeah. that sort of stuff. I think if if anything, this is the year to we should see progress in that regard when they're playing. I think we play Ohio State this year. I don't even yeah, shoot, I don't, we I don't, do. Like you know, to be in those games to look like we belong. Yeah. Whether the scoreboard shows it at the end or not, I mean, we, yeah. we'll all be able to tell. Right. Well, guys, just allow me to jump in. This is Jared coming in hot. Um, you guys, as I understand it, you're talking about your definition of a successful season. Yeah. If you're looking at a specific guy on the defense, JoJo Dolman, projected to be probably a draft pick. Do you have any 
interesting stories or funny stories yeah. with JoJo? I, I agree. I think JoJo's going to be uh, a stud this year. I, I remember when he came in, we needed more guys that just made plays and like was instinctual, like an instinctual football player. And he fits that. Like he's the guy that forces fun, like he's forced a handful of fumbles in his career, sacks. You know, trying to figure out the right position. He was initially a safety. Uh, I think he, I think he'll have a really big year. He looks like he's bulked up a, a substantial amount. Is saying the, saying the right things. I'm assuming doing the right things. I think he's grown up a lot. Uh, you know, from his freshman year when he came in. I remember when he came in, we were chatting, and it was after one of the first. He played as a freshman, and so his parents were coming to games, and he came up to me after a game. He was like. Have you talked to your parents at all? And I was like, No, man. Like, I mean, not about you. <laughs> like, you know, like, what are you talking about? He's like, We're second cousins. And I was like, What? What do you mean? We're second cousins. And I don't know if it's second or third. We're somehow distant cousins. So his dad had came to a tailgate, a parent tailgate that my dad had came to, and they were chatting with each other about my dad's like I'm from Kansas City, and JoJo's dad was talking about where he was from, and they somehow traced their lineage back to where we're like distant I shouldn't say second cousins but we are somehow distant cousins <laughs> on this team I'm like what really yeah it's wild and I I still don't know I don't know the right I, I don't know how it works out but according to him what do you talk like we're, we're somehow well it, yeah whenever we ask you know a former player like yourself Hey, any funny stories? Yeah, that was. Or, but we that's never come back to. Oh, we're actually family. Yeah, I should actually. (laughs) That's the first one. I should follow up with him and figure out like what it actually, or maybe I should just ask my dad what the what the story is. But at the time, I was like, um, sure, man, cool. (laughs) Right on. What's up, (laughs) cuz? That's funny. Yeah. Well, and JoJo's got his own podcast now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Part I mean, of the NIL. Like, that. Yeah. that's the sort of stuff that, like, when we get, get, you know, circling back to the NIL that I think is great. I think that that is what it should be necessarily designed for. Guys now have a platform. They have opportunity to where, like, you want to start your own podcast. You want to start your own YouTube channel. Like, stuff that's just inherently harmless. Yeah. Where it's like, we just can learn a little bit more about JoJo Doman. Like, human, right. like you're humanizing them in a way. I remember guys were like, we had a guy, Corey Whitaker, that wanted to start, like, some fish. It was some sort of fishing something. I think it was, like, clothing, something. And he had the just the darndest time going through the right channels to be able to do this because he was an offensive lineman for Nebraska. And it's just like, that sort of stuff, it just shouldn't necessarily be that difficult. They should have the same sort of opportunities as some other kid on campus that is going to school. Right. So I think the pod, like a podcast, anything that's just going to so you know show who you are a little bit more, is all it's going to do is just help. Like Fans are going to be more excited to hear that, listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. well, and like I will tell you, before the No Block, No Rock podcast came about, I had about zero podcasts on my Apple Podcast <laughs> thing that I was following. And then, you know, we started this thing, and I started following the No Block or No Rock podcast and all yeah. this other stuff. And then NIL hit, and all of a sudden, you know, 2AM's got a podcast, JoJo Doman's got a podcast. And now I've got so many podcasts, it's all I do all day. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it's great, because right. you get behind the scenes, you get to know, like, who the player is as a person yeah. instead of just... Watching him on TV. Ben Silly's got a, a website. Like, all these guys are just coming out with all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that they, you know, it's opportunities that uh, that they wouldn't have had. I was I always like to think back to who would have been the most annoying guy of my era playing in that <laughs> I can't even. You, you can't pick one. I can't. Player. I'm not going to put anybody <laughs> on. Okay. I, 
I got guys in mind that I can imagine that would have just been driving me nuts. You know, they're going out for the interview with their... I'm sure guys are going like, to come out for the post-game press conference. And yeah. They probably missed nine tackles and they're going to have their logo on their shirt. Visit this website. It's going to drive me nuts. So there's going to be a little give and take. You know what's going to happen. I know. Like um, a guy with his own logo, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, Cam Jurgens got the, like, the beef jerky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the apparel... And Sean Becton came on like this last week and was like, "Yeah, you know, I've I've seen it or whatever." And he's like, "I'd wear it, but I'm telling you right now, I ain't paying for it." Like, That's <laughs> Greg Austin. Yeah. Oh, it's Greg yeah, Austin. Greg yeah. Austin, no line. Well, it's catchy. Yeah. It's all great. Like it makes me know a little bit about Cam. But like, right. people are still gonna be pissed if the snap is going over over Adrian Martinez. Yeah, head. you should right. have been practicing you and know. focusing on your snaps, not your beat. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's just there's gonna be give and take. I think yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm happy they can do it and make some cash and. They better have qualified tax accountants and right. <laughs> yeah, don't mess with I'm the IRS. Sure, I don't know if they're making that. I'm, I'm not sure they're making that much money, but if they are, man. Yeah, I'm sure the that. IRS is licking their chops Down right now. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I can't wait to just tag all these 18 year old <laughs> kids. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, especially like those kids, like the Alabama quarterback that said he's gonna make a million dollars this year. Like that's insane. Okay, yeah. and he hasn't even played a snap. Not right. one snap. I mean, maybe he's played a snap. Well, Bri- yeah, Bryson. Maybe not. A bit, a, maybe not. He's never a started a game. Yeah, he okay. started a game. Even more crazy. Did you guys talk about Derek King getting that deal with the mm-hmm. Panthers? No. Yeah, he has an endorsement deal with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, the Miami Hurricanes quarterback. Yes, seriously. Wow. And what yeah. does that tell you about the Panthers? They need someone else to sponsor them. They don't. There's not a Steve Smith. Senior walking through that door, you know. Cam Newton's long gone. Who do they have? Luke Keekley. No that's more, right? Crazy. So you have to turn to a college. That's like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's weird. That's the stuff that's Again, the, that's the stuff that weirds me out is some of the endorsement stuff where you're just like, like that. Where like what you're paying Dear King and like for what re- you know. Yeah. What What's the motive? What's the, What are you doing? What are you getting? Because it's out? cheap advertising, in my opinion. But that's what's going to happen. Is he's not going to make a bunch of money. They're saving probably a lot of money by paying some college athlete just to promote the right. Carolina Panthers. Yeah, but why do the Panthers need to be promoted? Well, from a kid in Miami. That's the weird part. <laughs> right. They're yeah. probably paying him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why, actually, why they're paying him. Because they're the ones that bring him in. Yeah. So what's it matter? Yeah. It's all I mean, weird. I think Especially if he gets drafted somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> the scary thing is for me is I always view it as of, like, even with this conference realignment stuff, is like you always view it as, like, well, we, we you want to protect – what it is we all love while also can you make can you make it so that these kids can can actually profit off of like their name and image like other kids on campus can right. where's the balance as far as like now is this going to dampen like what the sport actually is and what we all love it, there's finding that balance of, of figuring out what it that's is that's what I'm afraid of I yeah. think it's just going to be like part of the great thing about college football is like hate watching teams and like watching for upsets and like Cheering for the underdog and all that. And I just feel like you're going to go to a super conference where it's going to be nothing but, you know, the teams that make the most money. And yeah, you're not going to have, you know, the K-States or the Iowa States traditionally where you would watch them and be like, all right, maybe they're going to upset Oklahoma this week. But you're, I don't think you're going to have that yeah. anymore. 
It'll be interesting. I, don't know. I mean, I'm all about the four string offensive tackle. You know, getting getting money from Renza to tweet out that Renza's having a sale. Do use discount code, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I appreciate that. if Adrian Martinez or if somebody scores a touchdown and pulls up their you know pulls up their pad and they've got the Adrian Martinez logo, I'm like, come on, dude. Like, you're, right. You're, at some point, like you're repping Nebraska too, and it's about the name on the front of the jersey is you know more than it's the name on the back. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's. What that's the the scary part for me is is that going to get where does that get lost in the sauce among people as far as you know football is the ultimate team game right like yeah. you know and you know, how can you have it so that you know can we balance it so that the guys can 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 do well for themselves at the same time can we pull together as a team and make Nebraska better right and have these logos that come out anyway or trash anyway it's with their first first initial last initial and it's always like. A, <laughs> Some angled weird. weird. It's, like, it's a transformer. It's like some. Yeah. It's like it's, some group project for some class yeah. that they're doing some marketing class. <laughs> it's stupid. Well, and I know, I know, like some of these guys just hired some of their classmates. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. They're like, yeah, I'm a graphic design major. Like, let me make you a logo, and they're like, bet. Yeah. They put up the first draft, and they're like, love it. <laughs> or some fan. It's just like some right. fan that's like, hey. Oh, dude. Use my use my drawing. D- DM me. Yeah, DM yeah. me on Twitter. Yeah, I'm sure, man. What do you think about conference realignment? Are you pro super conferences against it? What do you think, dude? I, it's it's so hard to it's so hard to know. Like I'm such a traditionalist. Like I just get used to what I'm used to watching. Like I'm I, I'm the guy that like oh Texas is playing Kansas State this Saturday night in Manhattan. Like I'm like I, mm-hmm. like I'm so used to that. I love watching that game. Mm-hmm. You know, like same thing when it was the same thing for me when Nebraska. Um, move to uh, the Big Ten. You know, you get so used to watching who we play, and then we're like, we're playing Purdue, right? You know, like it just takes a while to get used to it. Now I'm yeah. now I get a little bit more excited for Purdue, but like it's still new. And and for me, that, that's my view of conference realignment is is it's just I don't know if it's gonna work for one. Uh, it's gonna take some while to get used to play, seeing Texas play Vanderbilt and Oklahoma play. You know, Arkansas every week. You know, what happens to the games that we've all, like, what happened to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? I think it's going to make for some really awkward games in the Big 12. Like, there's going to be some upset Big 12 fans that, like, on the road for these for Texas and Oklahoma this year. It's going to be wild. Traitors! Oh, I can't wait. Because Nebraska went through the same thing. I know. And I know it's it's such a money thing, and I, you know, it's all about money, which, which, um, it's understandable, I guess, but there's there's going to become a time when when Vanderbilt when our, when Alabama says, why are me and Vanderbilt why are we getting the same cut like right like when is that day in court coming where where Alabama says well, we're, going, we're going to the the playoff every year Vanderbilt hasn't doesn't make a bowl game why are we right. sharing why isn't it about performance like it's just there's so many question marks and you, just the ultimate thing is is it going to ru- is it going to dampen what we all love every Saturday yeah I, mean, I think it'll eventually do away with rivalries like you said Oklahoma Oklahoma State and that's half the half the reason why Texas and Oklahoma left it's probably more than half is because why are we sharing revenue with these teams that are irrelevant and like we're the we're the cash cows of this conference. Yeah. We're the two that are making the buku bucks for you guys, but you're getting just as much. Yeah. And Texas Bye-bye. is doing that without winning any games. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Like, still the making that the grass isn't going to be greener when you're playing. You're not playing Kansas. <laughs> you're playing Tennessee or Florida or yeah. some team that's not Alabama, but they're still going to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to be humbling for Texas, I think. Especially, I mean, it, 
Oklahoma too. I mean, humbling from both. But when they're you know instead of losing TCU, they're you know they're playing to Vanderbilt and losing. I think that's a really <laughs> right. Hard to swallow. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and I mean Oklahoma. You know they get their chance every couple of years. They get into the playoffs and sure. they get steamrolled, and then it's just a never-ending cycle like that. Sure. And it's like you guys understand. You ain't playing them Big 12 teams yeah. anymore. Right. You're walking into Alabama's house. At least before they were winning the Big 12. Right. And at least they had that trophy they could claim. But now they're probably not going to have any trophies at all. Yeah. And football drives it. Like, it's all met. It's all it's all based around football. But you can make a really interesting argument about splitting stuff up geographically and how fun that would be for, for teams and players to an extent. It's probably better for – you think about other sports like basketball – uh, you know, midweek games. If you're playing in the Midwest, and how easy, how much easier that would be on travel. Like, why is Nebraska playing a Nebraska basketball playing a weeknight Wednesday night game at Maryland, and then flying yeah. back? You know, that's not great for student athletes and stuff no. like that. You can make a really interesting argument about like playing Iowa, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Te- you know, keeping like a Midwest, like just splitting up geographically, be, might be better for might be more difficult to recruit from some of those places, but it'd be easier to, to go to games for fans, to be in right. the same area, and then you could have some non, non-geographic non games sp- sprinkled in, but splitting up conferences that way. I mean, it's just a matter of time before, like, Oklahoma's going to be, or uh, Oregon's going to be, like, in the Big East, and they're going to be playing, <laughs> or, you know, like, they're going to yeah, play basketball, right. you know, like, it's just, they're going to be going, cr- people are going to be taking red-eyed flights, every, you know, to, to go right. to games, so. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be fascinating to see what happens. That's all I... I'm not smart enough to speak more. Speak about uh, what. Well, I'm hearing you right now. Be smart, uh, like yeah. Off of your rap sheet, and you're not smart <laughs> enough to understand. Uh, I don't think we are. Yeah. Either. All I know is that it's about it's about the same same thing as the name and his likeness. It's, it's just it's all be, about money. It's gonna be about the cash. Wherever the cash goes, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. If I had any question to ask, I guess like you know, since Frost came in. You know he's had Mel Washington. He's uh, I don't know I don't know if you want to say dealing with Omar uh, Manning, but you uh, know you have these two players that are kind of like he's showing patience for, and it's kind of like he's being very I don't want to say it. He's not being very uh, demanding. I don't know. I understand uh, what you're saying like why yeah. At what well, point? I'll, I'll speak to. I think it is fascinating that one of the first things I noticed between when Frost came in and Riley left was I think coach from an administrative standpoint I think there was a it was it was hard for coach Riley to convince the administration to allow the questionable academic kids in in my opinion I think if you look we didn't have hardly any Juco guys when I played with coach Riley right there was just like kind of those tweeners that were like is he going to qualify is he not are we gonna have to really work with this guy to to get him up to speed academically there was just I think from an administrator, it was just a hard no. We're not going to recruit those. And I think when Frost came in, there was a there was a conversation that was had or a change of uh, in their style as far as they were going to go after some of those kids that maybe wouldn't necessarily initially qualify to get into Nebraska. We're going to work with them. We're going to take more chances on those sorts of kids to, to bring them up. And I think Maurice fits into that category. I think Omar fits into that category as far as we were going to do everything we can to help them be successful. And, but that is Nebraska. And I was always questionable why, why we weren't having more of those kids. Cause if there's any place in my opinion, as far as to be successful academically, there's so much, 
there are people there that for years and years and years, like their focus is helping you be academically successful. It is strictly on you if you're not successful down there academically. Like if you show up, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you use the resources that they've given you, if you work, there's counselors. There's guys that have been there for literally 40 years. Mm-hmm. Dennis LeBlanc, doing, like, helping students. Like if you, if it is strictly on you if you don't academically do what you're supposed to do. I think there's been a lot more uh, of an acceptance of that for Coach Frost, which allows him to go get more talent, some of those guys. But to answer your question as far as demanding, I, I, I really don't have an answer as far as why, like, why didn't Omar Manning play? Why was... It seemed like Bruce Washington was given every chance possible. Right. Um, he suspended some games. I, I think it's a, I think it's a balancing act as a coach to to try and not shove a guy. I think some of those guys were maybe like on the edge of like, am I going to leave Nebraska? And if yeah. coach came, you know, like just a balancing act of keeping them there, but also getting production is is a yeah. fine line. Yeah, I'm, it's kind of like my bigger picture. My bigger picture question coming out of that was just like. You know, you're this new coach trying to establish kind of your authority, your culture, yeah. your way of doing things. But then you kind of have these two guys no. who, like, who uh, give you a yeah. spot. Yeah, when yeah. it doesn't look, it doesn't look right, you know, because yeah. that's not, like. So, but so much of athletics is is what can you do for like what can you give me or what have you done for me lately? How athletic yeah. you are, and I think that is a it is it is difficult to do away with that because like we like. We need Cam Taylor, like, like, yeah. I, like, if Cam Taylor wasn't doing the right things, we'd all as Nebraska fans would be like, do everything you can to keep Cam Taylor. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you need, yeah, to, right. can you somebody bring him dinner? Can somebody help him go to class? Like, whatever. You know, this is just hypothetically speaking. Someone get Tanner Farmer to, yeah, you know. <laughs> so it's like this balancing act of like, you know, how do you how do you keep a guy there? But then it speaks to the large picture of if you're really having to work that hard to keep it. Do you need? Do you want that guy there in the first place? I think that's what it ended up coming down to Maurice Washington is like, is it worth it for what we're getting? Is it worth it? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I think a lot of it with Mo Washington was, I think Scott was trying to help the human being yeah. more. And like, he was taking a lot of like the, the fire yeah. away from him and, and trying to, trying to keep the, protect the athlete and the human being. But which yeah, is great. That's what I want. Like that's yeah. I, that's why I think we should go take chances on these kids. I think you look at guys that there's so many guys that I played with that that came from other areas of the country. Like Mo Berry's a perfect example. A guy who came from Atlanta, Georgia, grew up in Atlanta, and now he lives in Omaha full time. As far as what a guy who can come in, do the right things, go to class, you know, have a successful athletic career. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden you're set up and he, he hasn't left. Like yeah. he set up, he's got a job here. He's networked here. He's done all the right things. Yeah, that's what Nebraska can do for you. As far mm-hmm. as if you just come up and you do the right things, and you yeah. go to class and you work as hard as you can, there's not a more place you can be successful at than yeah. Nebraska. Yeah, and and we know for a fact that Scott Frost has learned a lot from Coach Osborne, and he was doing the exact same thing with his players. Yeah. Was making sure that regardless of what was going on, he was going to make sure that he was there at least to help you. Yeah. And of course, yeah, take care of your talents on the on the football field, yeah. but still making sure that you were taken care of and making sure that you were getting the chance that that they want you to get. So yeah. Prop Forty Eight helped that a lot. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, well, I think I think we're good here. Yeah. Um, Chris, I just want to thank you again for joining the No yeah. Block No Rock podcast. No Block No Rock, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank Chris Weber once again for stopping by this new and fancy. 
podcast studio that Mike pretty much built from his bare hands. Yeah, well, we'll be dropping some videos of the new studio once we get all of our stuff in. We want to we want to rep the brand, and uh, so we're lacking a little no block, no rock merchandise up in here. So, uh, but that's a problem that's going to get fixed. Yeah, yeah, it, it's on its way. So we will uh, we will share what the NBNR studios looks like. Yeah, and those pictures of those videos, of course, they can be found on our website, which is nbnrpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at nbnrpodcast as well. Anywhere that you get your podcasts, talking Spotify, Apple, literally any podcast platform that you listen to, please give us a five-star review, downloads, get us those numbers that we so desperately need. You know, speaking of that website, we joked about it last week. We are open for business. We are willing to sell out for you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Reach out to us if you want us to advertise anything from businesses to events to birthdays to okay. anything. We're open for business. We want to make a couple bucks. Support the studio. Support the guys. We can take care of our former players and guests when they come on. Um, but yeah. 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 They come in the studio. We get a little uh, little pot going. These guys want to come to our studio. They want to share these stories and uh, give you Husker fans something that you want to listen to. So again, guys, we want to thank you for listening. This is one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. And Kyle Byers. I'm Eric. And as always, GPR.